Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Uh, I assume most of you have been here before. Maybe there's some new people. I don't know why this would be the day that you would check in all of a sudden. But if you're here, welcome. If you don't know what we do here, we talk uh, openly and honestly about the struggles of being a human being on almost all levels. We talk freely and openly about many different things. Uh, Vulnerability, creativity, art, work, fear, substance abuse, politics. We talk about everything with people to get to the heart of what people are, I think. I think that's what we do here. So if that sounds good, welcome. If you already knew that's what we did here, well, there you go. Sorry, you know, like, what am I doing? what, What am I doing right now? What am I even talking about right now? Jesus Christ, tomorrow is like this. It's like I'm beyond stress. I'm post-stress. I'm post-fear. I'm post-nervousness. I'm in some sort of strange paralysis that feels like the present, that feels like acceptance on some level. I know what we're up against. I know all the machinations of the garbage people and what they're going to try to do to steal the country, to destroy democracy. I know all of that. I know how the voting works. I know what we're up against. You know, in the next day or two or next week or next month, we'll know whether American democracy is over or we get new management and try to salvage what's left from the wreckage. So either we'll get that opportunity with new management to salvage what's left of our institutions, our norms, our system of government. We'll be able to salvage that with new management you know, perhaps take a responsible approach to this sickness that's leveling the global economy and destroying people. Perhaps we'll get a chance to salvage that with new management, new leadership, or else it will be sold as salvage by the current situation, by the garbage people and the grifters and the con men and the incompetent children put in charge of big bureaucracies that a lot of people depend on who give zero fucks about those people's lives. Sold as salvage. It's a fucking nightmare, but that's the precipice we're on. And I don't know how I, why I'm, I've I've arrived where I'm at today, the day before this election and go vote if you haven't for fuck's sake. 
And there's no excuse not to, really. There's no principle you can sit on for that one. Well, I'm not going to vote because shut up. Before I get too caught up, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. I made a cake. Anyway, Dave Cross is on the show today. Now, Dave's been on before. Dave's an old friend of mine. This is actually Dave's sixth time on the show. Uh, he's been on two live ones, two in the garage, one on the phone. But this is really, this is actually the first time we've talked to Dave in a while. And, uh, you know, he's got, he's in this new movie where I think he really puts the work in as an actor. But more importantly, you know, I saw him on TV. I was just flipping around and I've talked a bit, a bit about this before. You know, this it's, I don't know if it's nostalgia or, or just taking stock of who we are by going over our past. I was watching Dave Cross on TV on one of his specials, and there was just something so familiar about the way Dave talked and moved and thought. You know, from back in the day, you know, we kind of started out together. And it made me remember, made me feel, made me know that I came from someplace and that I arrived somewhere else. When I showed up in Boston and I met all these dudes and, you know, I committed my life, my fucking heart to stand-up comedy, you become sort of this weird family it's not necessarily that supportive or whatever, but we were a crew of fucking gypsies and weirdos, you know, bordering on outlaws, <laughs> just trying to find our way in this goddamn racket and try to figure out who we were up there. And, you know, he was part of that beginnings. And he's one of the guys who I, I see and he's remained himself at his core in a way. I've seen him kind of grow up, but whatever the fact is, whatever the case the familiarity made me feel good. It made me feel emotional. It made me feel like I, I have, uh, I have memories and friends in the world that I can uh, sort of um, be grateful for and be happy about. And then it just came to be that uh, Dave and I get to talk. Got to talk. He's got this. Uh, he's got this new movie out. It's called The Dark Divide. It's playing in uh, in theaters and in virtual cinema. You can go to darkdividefilm.com uh, to find out the best way to see it based on a true story. We'll talk to him about that and about other stuff. But getting back to it, tomorrow, I don't know what to expect, but I'm going away. Gonna have somebody set, set up shop here at the house for a few days and watch my little cat buster. And I'm going to just go up and isolate, really. I'm going to isolate, try to disconnect until uh, the 4th. And by then, it should be... Uh, Everything should be on fire with no known winner uh, and Trump declaring himself the winner and, uh, you know, just uh, flaming violence in every major city. I'm kidding. That can't happen. What? Can it? We'll see. But the truth is I have to prepare. I have to prepare. In my, and I guess this is how I framed it, sadly, that... Either we're going to get the new management or we're going to enter into a, a very dark authoritarian time an, an aggressively sort of a kind of proud fascistic time of minority rule and chaos that has happened to many countries around the world. Most countries have gone through it. For some reason, we just didn't think it, would, uh, it could happen here. And now we know how fragile it all is, don't we? And we'll see what happens. I think there is a better outcome, obviously. New management would be good, but it's going to be an uphill slog. But the weird thing is, is we know who everybody is now. Everybody knows who their neighbors are. Everyone knows who their family is and where they stand. 
who are the people that crave fascism, who are the people that crave a simplicity, a uh, kind of myopic, minimal spectrum of human expression, art, ethnicity, gender, choices. And it's interesting now to see, you know, who is, who's jockeying for relevance uh, in the possibility of authoritarianism. What is the fascistic demographic? Who's going to play to the fascist demographic? Like, obviously, you talk about these bubbles, and these bubbles are political, and people are being misinformed by their bubble. Like, if you talk about the Fox News bubble, you know, you can see the simplicity of it. You can see the editorialization of it. You can see them avoiding certain stories to feed a propaganda machine that engages and encourages American fascism. You can see it. And there's no follow-up. When those people want to source their information, they go straight to the bullshit spigot and uh, you know connect the dots land of uh, random conspiracy theories. So that's that. There's your demographic. Who are the entertainers in that future? I don't know. A few country artists, a couple of podcasters that we know, a few comics, Kanye. But whatever it is, the fascistic demographic will, will exist and be marketed to. That's how capitalism is going to survive. Hopefully it will not be the form of government. We'd be better off if it just becomes a demographic of sorts, as opposed to the replacement of democracy. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Do you? You know, I made a cake the other day. I told you about the failed Kentucky butter cake, but it's just in my mind. It's just the way I am. I'm like, I got to fucking master this. So I went at it again and I made a beautiful Kentucky butter cake, whatever that is. Powdered sugar on top, had some nice slices, gave my friend Kip part of it, gave my neighbor a couple slices, gave my therapist a slice, still had many slices left. Three days in, I finally threw the remaining three slices away because nobody wants three-day-old cake. And I already eaten like half of it. Not to mention I'm sitting on a trove of fucking Halloween candy. Nobody came out for Halloween. I guess they, in LA, they said you couldn't. I didn't even know that. And I already bought the goddamn candy. I was out in the street chasing kids down. The two or three that were out there with their parents, I had to go out in front you know, at the end of my my sidewalk and look around and go like, you want candy? I got candy. I got candy over here. Who wants the candy? Some people know costumes. So one kid walking around dressed as a cop had a weird moment where I thought he was dressed as an ICE agent. But it wasn't. It was just a cop and he had a whistle. Must have been for this kid. Didn't even know what he was doing. Just blowing on the whistle with his mom wandering him around, walking him around and gave him some candy and I gave a a Teenage Mutant Ninja, some candy, and a couple of witchy-looking girls, a little bit of candy with their folks, and everybody's wearing masks. I'm not wearing the scary mask, or I maybe I'm wearing the scariest mask of all. The mask of hopelessness in the face of plague. What'd you go as? A frightened middle-aged man who can't see the future clearly anymore and is uh, battling with hope and existential despair? Wow, that's scary. I know. And all it took is just a, a little mask and I was able to pull it off. So now I got a bunch of that candy. Cake's gone, though. 
I'm going to go away for a few days and see if I can do that. It's weird. I'm going myself, but I'm going myself. Dave Cross is an old friend, and I was happy to talk to him. His new movie, The Dark Divide, is now playing in theaters and virtual cinema. You can go to darkdividefilm.com to find the best way to see it. We also talk about how we're both playing Jerry Wexler in two different Aretha Franklin projects. And uh, also, we tried this new thing where we sent Dave a microphone that he could use. Um, it's pretty easy to use. And uh, you know, we're trying to get the sound quality up a bit. And we sent him the microphone. And uh, we spent 15 minutes trying to uh, help him set it up, which was, uh, as you know, Dave, how is that not going to be hilarious? Right? All right. This is me talking to my old friend, David Cross. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts hello david hey how are you oh, i'm good how are you i'm good um What's i mean yeah <laughs> i forgot we were friends so yeah it, it could be better it could be worse <laughs> That's right. i'm not here for a job interview <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's me, Mark. Remember? <laughs> so, so did you have you haven't used this before? I ha I've used it here at home. I tried it to, to make sure it was good, and it, it does give a pretty. How's good this? Is this better? That's great to me. Thank you guys so much for gifting me this microphone. Too. Wait a minute! I thought we were. <laughs> uh, that's what I said to Brendan. I said to Brendan right before this, you're the first guy we sent it to. I'm like, we're going to have to get another one because someone's not going to send this back. You know? <laughs> well, uh, when I got the, <laughs> when I got it in the mail, nobody told me this was coming or to expect it. And I got this box from Mark Marin, uh, you know, an old boot box, maybe right. not even that old boot. You seem like the kind of guy who collects boots. I have Am boots, I right? Yeah. What, what does that mean? Why would you it say means that? You have more than, it means you have more than a pair of boots. That's yes. But what, so, but well, why, why are you, why are you, why are you, why are you seeing this as a negative? Because what does that mean about you, me? You how many immediately boots? got defensive. How many people boots? collect things, Mark? All, all right. over. It's okay. a, it's okay. a, a fine thing to do. It's, okay. uh, um, you know, it kind of goes against, uh, you're, you know, hippie. No, ego, no. People know I collect uh, boots. I, I just like boots. And I, I have, didn't know that. I have quite a few boots. It makes sense. You seem like a kind of guy who collects boots. <laughs> okay. And then, and then it's like, uh, also, uh, you know, oddly, 
I don't want to say shy about it, but uh, it feels a, a sense of shame, clearly. Well, so I just wanted to know if there was judgment uh, in what you were saying, you know. I understand. I think you, you that's your <laughs> default. You just go to, I'm being judged on, you know. But just tell hey, me. Can I, get some, can I get some milk? 2% or whole? <laughs> oh, God, what do I say? Uh, 2%? But, no, whole. No, 2%. All right, all right. But you were judging me when you said that, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you got it. You got the box from me. I got the box, and uh, and I was like, "Oh, this is you know he's he's, and he seems like the kind of guy who would do this is just sort of randomly send me, uh, not necessarily because it's me, but just send a uh, like a present or something that I I initially thought, oh, this is going to be something from the eighties that you found yeah. that uh, you know is uh, you know personal to the. Something we had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, right. And um and I just <laughs> got back from Do I seem Atlanta. like that guy that's gonna send you a thing from Yeah, the... I mean I think you would. I think you uh uh There's that hat. Remember the hat? <laughs> well yeah, why not? Yeah. Um uh if you found something, right. I mean now that you have an assistant, I don't think you'd do it on your own. I don't think you'd take it and go down to the post office yourself and wait in line. But if you have an assistant where you can go Hey, Jenny, you want to, uh, here's an address. Go send this to uh, my friend Dave. Frank. You would do that. I, I have Frank. He's part-time. He doesn't live here. Doesn't check my emails for me. I was at the post office myself today. I'm not saying that you're being judgmental, but I'm, maybe I'm being a little defensive. Okay, that's fine. But <laughs> but but you acknowledge that. I had somebody do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you acknowledge that you wouldn't necessarily do it. You'd be more inclined to, if you had an assistant, uh, as, as I would too, if I had an assistant, I'd say, yeah. um, uh, I, I mean, I, I would say Jenny, cause I would, uh, only hire an assistant named Jenny or somebody willing to answer to Jenny. I'd say, right. Jenny, will you take this down to the post office? Now I'm in Brooklyn. So the post office is literally, you know, 75 yards away. It's not, oh. it's not a big deal. And right. if it was raining or inclement weather, I'd say, wait on it. It's just Mark Marin. It's just a hat for Mark Marin. <laughs> it can wait a day or two till it clears up. Uh, and I, I, yeah. so I'm saying that you're, we're, to, we're, to, we're brothers yeah. in that. Yes. And, and, okay. and, and that you weren't expecting the mic. So it came and you didn't know anything about it. You didn't know if it was a gift or anything. Was there no mm-hmm. instruction at all? Nothing. You just had no, them. No. So, so it when was, you're, when you're public, well, I didn't open it up at first. I had just gotten back, uh, uh, I traveled all day with my three and a half year old, just the two of us. And, you know, uh, I, on the plane, getting to getting from the airport with luggage and all this stuff. Oh, and, my God. Um, you're flying during this shitstorm. I had to. I had to go to Atlanta um, to finish shooting something that shut down during COVID. Right. So in, in uh, we almost done. I was halfway through episode six. Only one more episode after that. And it shut down and I had to come back here. Uh, and oh, then this, okay. everything just turned to shit. Right. Um, and I had to go back in and, you know, they started up again. Very safe. It was very, uh, I was nervous, uh, quite nervous at first. Let me ask you actually. something about that. So, cause like I, I've been offered a couple things here and there and I'm just sort of like, if I don't have to do it, I'm not doing it. But, okay. So it was safe, but it was, was it any fun at all? Uh, does the fear ruin the fun? No, it was. Um, it was a much different situation than before. Um, you couldn't have a lot of people in one place right. while you're shooting. 
so it was uh, 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 sort of blocked in a much different way than it would normally be blocked, your scenes, and shot a little bit differently. Um, but the level of, you know, we, were, we were tested every two days. Yeah. And uh, you don't walk in, you, everything was in three zones, right? So you had people in zone A, zone B, and zone C, and you couldn't interact with other people. All rehearsals were done with masks and um, shields. And then you just take them off for the, uh, for the actual scene. And obviously, cause it's porn, you know, it's like much more intense. There's a lot sure, of uh, sure. uh, yeah. germs flying around, but, um, you but know, you were able uh, to make do, uh, if that's a euphemism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, I was very nervous about everything, even flying. And, uh, that was, I thought that both airports, LaGuardia and Atlanta were, really on top of everything. The actual flight was, was very safe. I, I, I felt I was very, very nervous because we've been so careful here, uh, my family and I, and you know, it was really bad. Like those, those, uh, in March, mid March to mid April was scary and weird and surreal. And, uh, and I think that's in part why New York rallied like they did because it was so bad. Um, and we just have less of those, you know, dumb people. I mean, there's a plenty in like Staten Island and Long right, Island. Right. But, um, we don't have those like, it's tyranny. I can't breathe. You know, we don't yeah, have that. Yeah. it's not that part of the country. And, uh, and so, but yeah, uh, just to get back to it, it was, it was, uh, it was, I felt very safe. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, oh, the, you know, this is for the thing that you, um, we're playing dual uh, Jerry Wexlers. Yeah, so we're doing dueling Wexlers. Yes, pretty cool. It is cool, but I like like. Uh, let me hear your Wexler voice. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was deeper. It was because uh, I got the audio. There wasn't a whole lot of audio. I could. There was use, a little but... bit of audio, yeah. And he talked like yeah. this, right? But I didn't go yeah, he deeper. Was, right? He was Bronx. He was like Bronx. you know. Yeah, yeah, but you went deeper. You you actually went deeper. I kind of I kept it around here. You know, I I talk like this and and talk I... in normal. Believe me, I would have preferred to do that, but uh, that's how we, you know, it, it would be easier, I guess, to do that because uh, I would always, and I mean always, by take three, I'd be right back up to that pitch that's, you know, that's mine, like more like this. Yeah. You know, especially if you got something to say, because uh, he talks pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and I would find myself ri- rising up and the director would So wait, you did, a, you did a bunch of episodes as Wexler. Yes. Because I'm just in, like, we just did the movie. So you did the scene where, did you do the scene where you yell at the guy who runs the studio? No. Did you have a fight with that guy? No? That sounds, what, the Muscle Shows? Shows Yeah, yeah, Rick, Rick, yeah. No, I thought Ted had the fight with him. No, he did, yeah. The Ted had one. Oh, and then then Jerry says something. No, I mean, unfortunately, that sounds like it would have been fun and juicy. I didn't have a whole lot of juicy stuff to do in it. Um did you have to change uh, a lot of outfits? How many years? What's the span of the oh, Wexler? Oh, dude. It went from uh, early, mid-60s, like I want to say 62, and yeah. then the last year is 79. Right. So lots of outfits, lots of you know hair pieces that get thinner and grayer and big. See, like I wish I was bald because like, you know, they, like, <laughs> seriously. I understand. Like, they uh they they spent all this money to make a, a a bald wig for me because I had to keep my hair for glow, and oh, I was real nervous yeah. about because it, it was. Oh, oh so, that's right. Yeah. So they went through that whole thing to make me bald, right, like uh, right. like Deborah Messing in your movie, and uh-huh. 
but then they do all that and then they put the little bit of hair on me to make me like Wexler and it look ridiculous because oh, you, you can't ex- your face can't express you can see there's no way no matter how good the bald wig is that you're not so going to see I mean that just begs a question why did they hire you because she liked me and she thought we were going to be able to do it this way but I'm, she I'm ulti- kidding Mark, no, I'm I know kidding. but she she obviously opted to no wig and just fucking deal with my hair so like we there's a little give oh. to that so That's it, good, then. it worked out all right. Yeah, it was pretty he, exciting. He has a lot of hair until, really, until the mid, mid early 70s. He has, what era were you doing? We did the 60s through the, uh, it, it, it sort of ends at the, uh, the concert in the church. Yeah, that was the second to last episode I shot. Right, yeah. right. And then, and then the, the, the last episode, I'm not in that much. It's really just in the beginning where I tell her I'm leaving Atlantic. And then it's like five years later that we catch up. So, yeah. Oh, right. So when did uh, when is your Wex Square going to air? Because I think our movie's going to air like January. Oh, I, you know, they were trying to, they changed it like three or four times. I mean, I imagine they'll change it even again. Uh, it was supposed to air, uh, I think it was supposed to air in the late summer, early early fall like like nowish and then they moved it to they tried to they were trying to back into a like thanksgiving thing and they were like there's no way that's going to happen so i think they're looking at spring of next year i don't know though but did you did you like i read i read his his autobiography which is written by this guy uh with this guy ritz who's kind Mm -hmm. of an interesting guy in himself but the autobiography was kind of insane did you read it I read uh, parts of it. The the it's to see the footage of that guy and read um, his his whole story. The the fact that he he just doesn't look like the kind of. I mean, he was like in pool halls when he was fourteen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fights. He doesn't look like that kind of guy at all. Well, I think know? that I think the fighting was different and more Jewish then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it, there were less uh, there was less intensity to the fights back then. <laughs> right. There was more cowering behind things. (laughs) Well, he had just like this profound impact on music. I reading about that guy. I was like, holy shit. Oh, it's insane. He, he, I mean, he, you know, we, uh, I'm sure you know this. He uh, coined the, the phrase rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues. Yeah, that was him. And also like, you know, his daughter, like there's some sadness to the whole thing, but he was there all the way through the Allman Brothers. He did Capricorn Records and he like did did Dire Straits. He discovered Dire Straits. Crazy. And all these, all these stories about going down to New Orleans to look at talent. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, anyways, I I thought it, you know, to be pretty fascinating. He's the Rick Rubin of his time, kind (laughs) of. And I'm not, that's, I'm not trying to be funny. He was very, there's a, there's a parallel you know, there, there kind of is, except it seems to me. Yeah, I guess so. I guess why not? I, I you know, I, I tend to romanticize guys who have to get in their cars to, you know, drive. Like I, I romanticize a guy who has to he has to get on his phone to make radio stations play the goddamn Aretha Franklin single. You know, like he's working the phones off that whole thing. Whereas I don't think Rick had to do that, really. No. Well, Rick had a, probably had pagers and fax machines. Probably, and he probably had Jenny. From his dorm. He was, he was working out <laughs> of a dorm that's in NYU. Right. He was, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. So what, now, what, that, that's a place in Brooklyn you've got there? Uh, where I am now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You live in yeah. Brooklyn? I do. I've lived in Brooklyn since 2011. Really? Because like yeah. I just rem- like, and, but you've still got the place in the country. I just assume you're yes. off the grid. So you got the house up there, and you mm-hmm. got a and you got a, a a house in Brooklyn. 
Yeah, I got I I had I got the place uh, upstate. Uh, gosh, um, thirteen years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, and honestly, didn't uh, never really uh, imagine that I would be as into it as I was. I, I, you know, not trying to be funny, but I discovered some stuff about myself. Just how um, for somebody who was so uh, uh, social, uh, especially in New York city. And I'd be out all the time and, uh, I'll be it awkwardly. I was awkward, but, um, like I'm really antisocial. I didn't, and, and I've probably become more antisocial as I've gotten older, but I mean, I love it up there. And then, you know, I met Amber who became my wife and then we had a kid and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, um, uh, it's been, the one constant, you know? Yeah, but wait, uh, so, wait, wait, so back up like that. So like, okay. So you found out that you were sort of antisocial or at least just, you know, better off not. Well, I, I guess we all used to force ourselves. I mean, you're drinking the beers, you're going out, you're hanging out with people, running around, right? right? Yeah, and then, yeah. and then, but like, because I, I seem to remember, like, how long has it been you since you've been with Amber? Uh, we, we met, uh, in early, early 2008, like end of February, March, 2008. Wow. And, um, and it was really quick. I mean, we were once, I mean, she like was basically moved in in a matter of months and that was it. And we never, you know, to the Brooklyn, back, but was, it was not in Brooklyn though. No, that, that was in East village. In East village. Now yeah. that, yeah, I kind of remember you being at that place, but I can't remember really the last time we hang out at all. So it must be a really long time. But you like it just struck me. Were you, were you were you against marriage or just you didn't see yourself having children? I can't remember which it was. I was I was never anti marriage. I just never understood the uh, the reason for it. Right. I always thought, you know, if you are going to be with somebody, be with somebody. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, there was I never had any kind of anti marriage stance. I just didn't think it would be for me. I didn't see myself as the kind of person who would be married. I didn't, uh, I didn't desire it. Um, right. you know, I basically had that stance until I met somebody that I wanted to marry. And that was that. So, you know, and so, but did she ask you to marry her or did you ask her to marry you? Um, other people asked us to marry each other. Oh, that's uh, interesting. So you're yeah, getting a we lot were, of input. Yeah, it was a very, it was very, um, we were in the middle of a rom-com and we were taking, uh, yeah, train upper west side and we were having kind of an argument which was you know clearly we were covering up this tension between us and then these people were going like why don't you just kiss her you know it was a very there was an old chinese guy and (laughs) a lot of people involved (laughs) yeah you know uh uh some uh, very uh spunky uh uh, precocious uh african-american children there were uh wow uh, an elderly jewish couple so you couldn't leave um, the house without people just oh as, as soon as we'd leave they hung out they waited for us and then they were just like <laughs> why don't you ask her to marry you you know and um and then a a, a a mexican polka band started playing yeah and you got on your <laughs> knee and yes, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, and we sold it to Netflix and you know that's uh how I, I used the money to buy this place and where'd you get where'd you did you do a big wedding thing um, yeah, medium size. We did it upstate, right along the river, where uh, over where we live. I think um, I kind of remember, like two thousand and what? Uh, twelve. Wow. Yeah, uh, we just had our anniversary, like uh, two two ish weeks ago, something like that. Because I I like her, and she's a great writer and good person. You you both mm-hmm. you know are, are like minded, but now this children thing, 
Mm-hmm. Was that, uh, did you ever see yourself doing that? Yeah, for sure. You did? For sure. Not in a proactive way. I just could easily picture having a kid. I wanted a kid, but not in, um, I mean, I even like would daydream, like, what if I just adopted by myself? And uh, I just wanted a kid in my life. You, you did? Know? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Yeah. Do, what do you, uh, so what do you think that is? <laughs> What uh, what you want? Did you have any sort of like like I'm going to do it differently? I'm going yeah. to have a kid a, and aggressively change the way I am programmed. Uh, that was probably part of it. That was um, I did have a very real. Uh, so there are two parts of this. One is the uh, not actually having a kid or any of the responsibilities, but but fantasizing and daydreaming about how that might be nice yeah. and uh, having an understanding that, that my life would change and uh, some, in some ways for the better and some ways for worse. But um, also I think a lot of it was a, I was looking for an outside force to change my behavior. Uh, I was, so, I was, so the kid is sort of like a, a, a beer replacement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, you, yeah, like I, I, I was not, uh, I wasn't very, um, responsible or healthy or, right, right. uh, you know, there were, there was several years in the, uh, early aughts in, in the East village where I just, I, and look, I was enjoying myself, but I think on on in, on in a deeper sense, I was not enjoying myself, and I was there was probably a little bit of shame and. Guilt I remember when and, people were like, "I because because we you know whatever um, you know time we spent together it was it was real and you know and I love you and and we had a uh, a deep connection, but over the years we didn't spend that much time together. But I remember it during that time there were people concerned about you. Like, I remember there was like, people were like, yeah. he's, 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 he's running around with the strokes with a fishing tackle box of pills. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know if that's really, uh, completely accurate, but I, but the idea, sure. That I was, I was very, um, uh, yeah, I was very irresponsible and, uh, doing all kinds of things I shouldn't do. And, um, again, I was enjoying myself, but I think on some, on some level I was, you know, needing to understanding that I needed to stop doing that. Did you ever, Uh, did you get scared for your life? Um, no, there were certain times where, um, part, part of the problem is I'm oddly resilient for somebody who's, you know, five foot nine and, uh, you know, 155 pounds, I can really absorb a lot of drugs and alcohol. Do you remember, and, did, and, you, did your stomach okay? Remember when your stomach used yeah. to hurt all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, part of that is changing, you know, my lifestyle. Right. Uh, um, and yeah, that's, that. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a healthier person than I was. Um, so you sure. wanted to have the kid because you wanted something outside of yourself to make you change your life. I think that's a subconscious thing. I think that was not necessarily, uh, and I probably would allow myself to realize that occasionally, but I think that was covered up by this other idea, um, sometimes 
uh, more, uh, sometimes I'd believe it more and sometimes I wouldn't about, uh, um, you know, that I, I'd be a really good dad and I had a, a shitty childhood, shitty dad situation. And, uh, I almost owe it to the world to raise a decent kid, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, a lot of bullshit, a lot of like white liberal garbage. Is but, your dad um, still alive? As yeah. As far as I know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would find out if he died because, uh, I have two cousins that I don't, that every five years or so, uh, they'll, they'll get in touch to say something and we don't uh one is i'm on good terms with one i'm not but uh i thought you were going to um, say that i would feel a change in the force there. um i I've, i mean he's he's he, i don't know how much longer he'll live i mean he's uh i think he's like he's got to be like 80 83 84 something like that i'm not exactly sure my dad's but, like um, 80 i guess my dad's 81 and I talked to him yesterday and I, you know, I was having some problems with him, but he seems to be losing his mind a bit. And, uh, yeah. it's, it's getting, uh, it's, there's a sweetness to it now where he said, yes, yeah. last yesterday on the phone, he said, uh, look, I just get worried that someone's going to want to hurt you. And, uh, you've done very well with your life. You live the life you want. And, uh, but I don't understand why you, you not on the cover of time magazine. Oh, they giveth and taketh away, don't they? Really? It went from good for you, I'm proud of you, to like, but, you know, you're, you're not. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. not on the cover of time. Yeah. Um, well, just lie to him. Just tell him you got a Nobel or something like that. He said the weirdest thing yesterday. He's like, I don't understand why there's not more Jews doing things. I'm like, what? He's like, there was a time, I think, culturally where I think it was we were talking about the virus and he had Jonas Salk in his mind specifically. And he's like, why aren't there more Jews at the forefront of everything? I'm like, I think there's plenty of Jews working behind the scenes. Send him uh, Seth Rogen's IMDb page, you know, busy for a little bit. I should tell him. And and, and with the caveat that he uh, he has not been on the cover of time either. Right. But but you think your dad. Hold on a minute. Uh, Oh, my God. Breaking news: Keith Rainieri, the yeah, next yeah. life in prison. Good, good, good. That is the most boring documentary I've ever seen in my life. The Vow. Oh my! Well, God. it's it's like a lot of those documentaries, specifically the the kind of new, you know, ten part series where you're like, terrible. This only had to be this only had to be seven episodes. Yeah, but what kind of fucking person would listen to that guy tell them to do anything? I mean, like, he can barely get through a piano song. He says he's a genius. He looks like a little hippie turd. He plays volleyball. Dude, the what? best, my favorite thing in the whole <laughs> the whole thing is it's towards, a, it's like one of the earlier episodes where he describes himself as, um, he says, you know, and I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing this, but it's pretty close. You know, I'm a, I'm a, one of the world's best problem solvers. I've, I'm actually uh, considered the third best problem solver in the world. Like there's a ranking of something as vague as problem solving, and somehow he is ranked third in uh, the in the world. society has deemed him Cambridge University because he thought that that, that would best. be he thought that would be more believable. But don't you just look at that guy? Wouldn't he be like one of the guys where like if we were Scientology? All... It's all the same guy. No, I get it. But look at that guy though. If you and I back in the day were going to go play softball with some fellas. He would be the guy be like, yeah, I just let him come. You know, like he would, <laughs> he's not 
there's no charisma, there's no leadership. It's like he's like the annoying guy that hangs around. How does that? Absolutely. Yeah. It was the annoying guy at the periphery of your group of friends right. at a bar right. when you're starting to talk about something that's uh, starting to get deep. Right. And he chimes in and you're like, uh, wait, 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 back up, back up. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like all everything he said when he's talking to people, yeah. my reaction, uh, you know, and, and granted, I'm sitting in my living room with the, you know, uh, with hindsight being but I would never be in that situation to begin with. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, but everything he says and people are nodding along to it. You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and you, and you know me and I know you and you, right. uh, you, you, me, our friends, 90% of them would stop the conversation and right. go, wait, 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 that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Explain that. No, no, no. What you just said. Oh, aren't you glad we're not that fucking lost or that fucking craving of of that type of sense? But I imagine. Oh, of course. But like getting back to your to your old man and to your like so so you have this sort of my brother had the same thing with the kids. He's like, I'm going to do it differently. But it seems to me that like everything changed. Like like, and I know this because I have friends who have kids, and I'm now I've gotten to this weird age where I I want to hear more about their kids than them. And, you know, I get very attached to their kids. I'm not yeah. really particularly sorry that I don't have children, but I, I do I do imagine that whatever happened. So did, did it was it a discussion with you two or did she just be was she just like I'm pregnant? Uh, so uh, and I feel like I can speak to this because she wrote about it in her in her second in her second to last book. Um, yeah, fucking throw her under the bus, dude. Go ahead. I'm not throwing her I'm under kidding, the bus. She I'm talked kidding. about this. <laughs> it, it, she, she, you know, she asked me if she, if you know, because so we did get pregnant, and uh, this would have been in um, 2012, I want to say 13, maybe yeah. 12 or 13, and um, she wanted to get an abortion, and I did not want that, and I was really bummed, and it was very. If you read. Uh, um, you know, if you read her book of essays, it'll it, it's all in there. But um, because you were because like, well, how well, how old were you? You were already, what, 45, 50? Oh, dude, I was I would have been. Yeah. Late 40s. I would have been. Uh, 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 what am I? 56. Uh, You're 56 uh, now. 48. Yeah. So I would have been. Is that right? No. No. 49. I don't know. How old's the kid? The the other side of three and a half. She'll be uh, four. No, so you're like in your fifties. Yeah, no, I'm no. Well, no, this is, I'm talking about the first one where she had an abortion. It would have been, I'm just, I'm I'm not good at the math here. No, she didn't abort our current child. No, I know. Yeah. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. I didn't know we were talking. I I don't No, I didn't know we were telling an abortion story. I thought this was the fight that produced the first child. This was a different fight. Well, it wasn't a fight. She discussion, got pregnant. Discussion, discussion. Yeah, discussion. she got pregnant uh, when we weren't really trying for a baby, but we were okay with the idea, I guess. And you um, weren't married yet. We were married. Oh, okay. We were married. Oh, interesting. Um, right. And we had probably just gotten married, and uh, so that was a, a, a an issue. And um, you know, we uh, I supported her uh, ultimately. It's like you know, it's her body, it's her right. decision. I'm not going to force her. That'd be I can't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, and it wasn't without uh, a lot of discussion. And I understood why. Uh, I understood her reason, but I just wasn't happy with it. Um, huh. And and so that happened. And that was, 
a, a thing that we had in our lives uh, um, that was now permanently and forever moving forward, going to be a part of our history and uh, relationship. And then we did uh, a couple years later, we, yes, we're going to have a baby. Well, let me ask you something though, like in that, like, you know, just to, just because of the nature of who we are politically and, you know, who we are as comics and everything else now, after that decision, you know, which she wanted to have the abortion and, and, and you were against it because you wanted to have the child. It does. You know, I, I imagine the discussion of that hangs over you, but you don't you don't think you you know, you don't think about that child necessarily, do you? Uh, only in an abstract sense, right. uh, uh, because I did when she was pregnant and I did uh, and I especially thought about it when we were upstate because I, uh, I, I just had this, when I go in the woods, I go for a walk with my dog or just go, just walk in the woods. Oh yeah. Um, and I would, you know, uh, imagine having like a five-year-old, right. you know, holding a five-year-old's hand and, and pointing things out and, and, uh, uh, all, all that kind of right. you know, romantic father imagery and, uh, especially upstate. Um, yeah. And, so, I mean, I did in that sense. Right. Uh, and I it was also, uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, yeah. it was this, like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready um, uh, in, in a, in a self-centered way. Right. I'm me. I'm yeah. ready to do this. I, and she wasn't. And, you know, we came to that understanding. Uh, but that's a lot. What a lot of it was about. It's what ninety nine percent of it was about. Was I'm ready. I want this. And right. She wasn't. And right. she's Significantly younger. You know. Sure. And, um, uh, so that was part of it. And uh, and then uh, we got pregnant. And she was ready. So and now we, you, we were happy to do that. And now you got one. Yeah, and she's awesome. I three mean, and a uh, half. Three and a half. Yeah. So you were fifty three or so. Fifty two. When did you turn fifty six? Uh, April. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're like, I don't know. I'm fi- I just turned 57 in September. We're close. I'm 56 and a half. Okay. But uh, I, I, I really want to uh, use this, uh, your podcast as a platform to try to encourage older people to start saying <laughs> and a half. I think I'd like to see people on the, on a, on, on the floor of Congress going, now listen here, I'm 68 and a half years old. <laughs> I am uh, 57 in two months, I think, almost. So, so now, like, I can't imagine it, but it must be, like, but, like, there's so many things in your life that, you know, you had resolved on some level. You know, you got money saved, you got a, a good marriage, and now, you know, you're at this age, because that makes me nervous, you know, because sure, people are sure. always like, you can have kids whenever you're you're a dude, but, you know, you got, you want to be part of it, and I think you got in just under the wire. I think I think you're right, and uh, um, and I really am concerned about if we did have another one. Like uh, my energy level, I've always had a pretty good, you know, uh, uh, reserve of energy, and and uh, I'm pretty healthy and, yeah. and athletic. But um, uh, like the idea of having another kid running around and having to run down the street while they're on a scooter. And I mean, I literally especially in, in Brooklyn, like yeah. I'm running like, stop, Whoa! you know, this yeah. hauling ass constantly. Um, <laughs> and, and people are, and because you're Dave Cross, there's always someone across the street laughing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And I'll stop. I'll let her go into traffic just for a bit, and yeah. I'll sign some autographs. She's I'm happy got, to do that. She has, she has to learn. A, she has to learn. A quick cameo. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, the idea of like doing that again in three years from now, three and a half years, like uh, forget it. Well, do you think, well, yeah, of course. But do you think like like this this idea of like how learning that you didn't, you weren't as social as you thought you were, that you you'd, you would rather not be hanging around with people as much. Do you think that, you know, the connection or whatever, however the kid opened your heart, that kind of made you realize your priorities and got you more sort of in touch with yourself? Um, yeah, uh, uh, for sure. And I, you know, it's every, you know, all the cliches are true. It's all, it's, they're so trite and they're trite for a reason and they're, they're wonderful, but the cliches are all true. And I, I am now I'm aware of my language. I'm aware of my attitude, the energy I give off. I'm aware of, uh, so what you don't say, what you don't say, fuck, but do you still say cunt or no? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I yeah. say cunt in, in, in place of fuck. So I'll go, ah, for, cunt. Good for you. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and she goes, you know, what, what is that? What is cunt? What is, and, uh, and I keep saying, what? Yeah. And, and I can't hear you. Twice oh. that, I can't, can't hear you. It's really fun. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of fun. That way. Yeah, sounds fun. <laughs> um, but just morality, I'm, I think about morality in a, in a, uh, I'm just more conscious of it. Like, what do you um, mean? Well, what uh, the lessons that I'm teaching? All are, right, good and bad. Yeah, what is right in behavior and how I act and um, uh, things like that, and and uh, and I try not to get to show my frustration with something as as readily as I normally would. Don't you know? scare her um, with the uh, with the yeah. the weird outbursts of anger. Like exactly, God damn it! Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and your crankiness has subsided a bit. I, I hope so. And I'm, I, I do hope so. I do hope so. I don't know if it has, uh, and I, and it, the last, you know, seven months have been brutal. The, the, it's, it, you know, the fact that one great thing about Amber and I's relationship was, you know, we were both in the business. So we both understood when, Hey, somebody's got to go away for two weeks or yeah. 10 days or yeah. whatever it is. And we check in and, and we travel with each other a lot, but right. uh, sometimes you just can't. And it's, and it's a relationship saver, you know, to have that built in, Oh, I get to be by myself. And same with her. She gets, she doesn't have to listen to me and, and I'm not the easiest guy to, to live with. And um, so are you, are you about to tell us that, that she's locked in a room or <laughs> I blocked her in a room. She's in the basement. <laughs> Uh, but I, I'm only telling you that because I want you to know that I have a basement. That's pretty cool. <laughs> right. In Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, now she's in Toronto actually right now. She's shooting something or, too. Yeah. Yeah. God, everyone's going that's back what, to that's work. That's why I was with, that's why I was with the kid in Atlanta. I had to bring her down to Atlanta with me and I was with her cause uh, Amber had to go. They have a very, very, very strict, she's in Canada, a very strict quarantine regiment uh, and they will track you and they will, you know, fine you heavily and kick you out. So, you know, they're not fucking around because they know how bad it is. Is here. it a movie oh, or a TV show? A TV show, FX. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess they're recasting Glow and reshooting it. Wait a like minute, that. I'm supposed to... <laughs> they fucking <laughs> um, just bailed And I'm sorry me. to hear about that, man. I, I truly am. That was, uh, you're so, so fucking wonderful in that. Oh, Brad. thanks, buddy. Really, really impressive. I just, I can't, um, yeah, I mean, there, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, there's nothing, you have no power in that thing, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I get it. I mean, the the cast is so big. How are you going to, 
how are you going to work around that? And when is it going to be okay to shoot like that? There's just, I don't, I, th- yeah. I really do think it was about that. I don't think, you know, there was just no way to do that safely and, and no, no way to see when that could happen. Well, it's, it's, again, I was uh, nervous about, you know, going to back, going back to work and uh, um, there are ways to do it. You know, yeah. um, if you really lock it down, I, per, perhaps you have to bubble, you know, yeah. much like uh, NBA and right. uh, and they did that successfully. I, I don't know how you get around that, um, especially for something like your show where you've got yeah. all that. Yeah, I don't know. Close contact and everything. I got choreography. To, I just like yeah. to me, it's like so much about doing what we do. And I'm not a big I don't know how to have fun generally, but. But just that the idea of having the exchange of ideas and being able to socialize on set and all that stuff, like all that stuff being removed and you just yeah. kind of render it down to like, all right, all right, ready? Masks off. We're doing it. Yeah. All right, cut yeah. masks on. It's just like, to me, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you're right. And, uh, but I mean, work is work. I get it. But I, you know, I, I just, I, I save some money, so I'm not panicking about that. But uh, but it just doesn't sound fun. And, and and there's also this idea. It's like, are we going to put our lives on the line to create entertainment product? Isn't that part of the mm-hmm. fucking problem? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm with you on all of that. Yeah. And uh, um, as much as I am anything else, I'm also a writer. And, and I there have been so many ideas I I've thought like, oh, this would be a cool idea to explore and to try to write and to develop for stand up, you know, maybe. Uh, not for stand-up, for like TV, oh, for, right, for right. a series, okay. for a show. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I think about it like in practical terms, like how would I shoot that? This isn't a good idea. This would take, I couldn't do that. And then, and I try to, um, uh, you know, in telescope everything down to its uh, minimal like core. Do I, yeah. do I need to shoot this in New York? Can this be shot with just four people in a room, you know, like, can we green like, screen all doing? of this? Can we, di- <laughs> yeah. can we cut and paste and I, people and in? It changes your approach or at least changes my approach to how I, cause I'm always with, with the stuff that I, I develop, it's usually about story. I want this kind of yeah. story to, to be told and it, and it's, uh, uh, and I, it just is not conducive to, to, working under COVID conditions. You know? Yeah. I mean, I lately, like I'm, I'm just trying to look, you know, I, I, outside of the loss that I experienced and, and outside of the, we're all in this sort of like horrendous grief uh, zone around the world, you know, and the COVID and everything else. But like, I, it's made me reassess fucking everything, you know, like yeah. it's, it's very weird to see show business in its raw form like this, that these people that have these shows, these nightly shows who are under contract have to do this work. It's, it's the great leveler. It's like everybody's doing their goddamn, you know, network television shows from their couches. And, and on some level it's okay, but it does strip everything bare. And you start to realize like, we really are song and dance people. And (laughs) without the song and dance, we're just people sitting on couches. It's okay. But it's kind of like, I mean, you, that's, uh, that's, you uh, kind of, you know, ended up, uh, I don't want to say stumbled into it, but you ended up in, in the, the 
greatest COVID gig you could possibly have. It's great. With, uh, not, WTF. Not complaining. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm, and we make a living off it. And like, but now I've gotten into just work stand up material because, like, the weird thing is, Dave, and I don't know about you, but I'll admit it to you, I don't fucking miss stand up at all. And I don't know why. You, you know, because I've done it my entire life. And I'm I, surprised to hear you say that. Um, I'm very surprised. Well, I mean, you, I, it's like one of those things, though, where I think I get, I, I miss, you know, working through stuff. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But mm-hmm. like you get into the habit, like, you know, for me, like I'm going to go do sets at least three or four times a week, no matter what. So I've never not done sets, but I'll, you right. know, even if I didn't have anything, I'll go, I'll make myself do it. But there was something about just the time and the space and the loss and the COVID and everything else where it kind of forced me to reckon with myself and see where I'm at. And I'm pretty comfortable. Like uh, I could, I feel like I could, I'm okay doing nothing. Did you did you prior to all this, did you have that kind of, um, you know, innate need to do stand up that 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 stand ups talk about that? Like, I don't know, man, I just got to get up there. Yeah, like, yeah, did for you sure. Have that before? I did. I and, did. But not it wasn't to entertain people. It was a personal thing. And like because I dropped that last special right at the beginning of lockdown, like I don't know that I'm going to get much better than that special. Like that special is good. Yeah. Right. So and now like but here's what I was going to say is that something's happening because I've started doing these live Instagrams every morning and I'll do like mm-hmm. I'll do like over an hour sometimes to like, you know, anywhere from 500 to 1200, 1300 people. But you know, thousands of people come watch it. But it's reengaging that part of me that thinks on my feet because you do the same thing. I got to talk through my shit. So, so yeah, but I don't I that's uh, this whole performing in a vacuum thing. I do not. I don't I'm not comfortable with it. I don't. Uh, it's it, I'm, it makes me self-conscious. Uh, no, I don't um, like it. I don't like I'm not waiting for laughs, but I do like thinking out loud. And, 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 sure. and, and, okay. But, but I want to go back to something you said before about okay. how people are, you know, they, they're like, I've got to get up on stage and I just want to entertain people. And I always found that to be such bullshit. I don't have and, that. Yeah. Um, I don't think most people do. I think there are, I know plenty of people say it. A lot of yeah. people, it's like this altruistic thing that that's what they're, it's driving them to the stage. And, and it's bullshit. It's a selfish, not that this is the, the end result is bad. It's still a good thing. The reason I do it up. is basically to you guys will sit and <laughs> and listen to me because this is how I know I exist. And this is how I think. Enjoy. Right. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's how it is for most people. I, that thing. And so many people do like I just I mean, I've got this need i've got to get up there and entertain people i gotta make them laugh like fuck you (laughs) you're so full of shit i need you to see me and hear what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but do you miss it um i do i do a lot and i and i uh i did towards i think in part because it was um uh combined with not working at all. I finished this one project I was developing. Uh, I got to, to where I was kind of uh, contractually obligated to finish. Uh, finished that. It didn't seem like it had all this kind of excitement behind it. Uh, moved on. And then I, I had nothing. I was not doing anything. And I was trying to force myself to write. And I really missed stand-up. And I, w- I was in the kind of what I what I like to call the end of uh, I had like three phases to when I'm developing stuff, at least the last two specials and tours I did um, where I just 
developed stuff out of nothing. I, would, I watched one. That's when I, I reached out to you, right? Because it, like, it made me all nostalgic. When I, it was the one with the big uh, 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 colonic closer. Which one was that? Uh, was that the last one, the colonic? No, I think that was that was the, the that one was, before. That was the one before. That was uh, "Make America Great Again." Maybe is that yeah. the one in in the? Was I in a theater or a rock club? I think it was a theater. Yeah, um, yeah, that was "Make America Great Again." That um, I'm pretty sure. It's just so funny because I had this moment where I, that's when I reached out to you because I'm watching it and it's like because we go back to such a developmental time for both of us there was something so familiar that i hadn't seen in a long time but had that ran pretty deep in me you know like just <laughs> just watching you do stand up and and sort of you know move through your stuff i'm like i remember this <laughs> and uh and you do it there was moments in there where i'm like he's he's doing this just the first time right now no that um, that was all true that was uh no but every, i mean like every every, every word of that was already set well pretty much yeah. yeah i mean i was i uh i mean i would i always riff within stuff but right that story uh it was one of those it was one of the handful of things i've done where i can as i'm doing it i can remember it even though it was a long time ago with, with amber when we were uh basically first dating um where i just remember i can remember it visually right now i remember the fucking place on santa sure. monica boulevard and, yeah. uh, uh, who doesn't remember monica their and, first colonic i mean that's why <laughs> and to this day only colonic um me too tom agnes but, sent me to his guy in new york it was this little african dude and he had all these pictures when you walk when you're waiting in the lobby and he had these pictures of tribal uh peoples it, with these long things that could come out of their asses because of what they eat like they like literally these shit oh the tapeworms and stuff no they mm. were like i i said to the guy i said what is that a shit snake and he laughed and laughed and he thought that was the greatest what uh, thing to call it a shit snake oh he was patronizing you there's no way he hadn't heard the term shit snake ever before come on really i don't know i got a genuine laugh it seemed like a real laugh there was no reason for him to fake it i was i'd already i already had my appointment but um but, you know, it was just like very disturbing. No, they weren't. It wasn't a parasite thing. It was literally I think these people were eating tree bark or something. And and mm -hmm. it, was, it was just uh, he was that was his way of saying, like, you don't want this to happen. And I'm like, dude, right. that's not going to fucking happen. And were these like big, glossy, beautiful kind of motivational poster type prints? That no, were they were well? like those. They were almost like um, from a like a, a a medical journal of some kind, you know, where they'd show the picture of the people like in the tribe and then they'd show these horrendous things. Am I, am I understanding this correctly that these were on, these were on his wall as, yes, as, uh... yes, yes, as like welcome. <laughs> Just sit. <laughs> Make yourself I comfortable. I want to go there. Yeah. Where, it's here in New York? Yeah, ask Agna. Do you still talk to Agna by any chance? <laughs> Where is oh, he? Oh gosh, I haven't talked to him in a, does he, a long Doesn't time. he live on the moon or in Thailand or someplace? <laughs> I don't moon thailand i don't know where i don't know where i don't know where people go i don't know are you in touch with anybody <laughs> i mean not not really it's weird I right you, i've become very antisocial. i know but you got the kid that's great but anyways what were what were we doing where were we going oh oh about uh, about improvising and missing stand-up so i was i was developing some more material and i was i kind of do it in three phases where i just sort of uh take a tape recorder and just go to uh you know go to some place in Brooklyn and I talk for an hour and, and then I tape it and what works I keep and what, you know, right. Et cetera, et cetera. Sure. And, uh, 
Um, as opposed to like going to clubs and doing 12 minute sets and stuff like that. I mean, I just do an hour and I tell people it's going to suck for a little bit. That's what I do too. Uh, I just get a space and just go. Yeah. yeah do an hour, great. two hours, figure it out. And then, you know, phase two is like, okay, I think I know I'm getting close and now I can sort of try. I'm not going to dick around anymore. Here's what I'm going to work on. Right. Work on that. That's an hour and 15. You always, things always inflate. And then, Phase three being like the much uh, phase three for uh, me is shorter. like the week before where it's sort of like, it's like for me, it's like a month where I'm trying to sequence things. And, I always you know, end up like, you know, I've got the callbacks. I know what's going on, but it's still like it's still an hour and 20 or it's an hour right. and 30. And I know, right, like, right, I want right. to get this down to 75. And that yeah, last, exactly. yeah, that last and, week where you break it, you outline, it's literally like you see what you want to do and you're like, this doesn't fit. No, no, no. And then. There yeah. you go. And not being so self-indulgent and precious about right. things that I love that, right. you know, people aren't digging in. Look, if you give it, you know, four, five, six, seven tries and you're not getting it, then just ditch it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And move on. Well, no, um, it was just great. It was great seeing you and it made me feel like, do you remember the name of that? Uh, you know that there are a couple of things I wanted to bring up. You remember Inner Beauty Hot Sauce? The uh, Caribbean hot sauce, it had a, it was almost like it had a papaya, a mango and a hot habanero. Wait, that's vaguely familiar. Wait, yeah, I feel I... like it was from our past, Inner Beauty. It Inner was like, Beauty, I do, wait, what is that from? I don't know, I think we ate it. I think we had a <laughs> bottle of it, but they didn't make it for a long time, but they're making it again, that's all, I just want to tell you that. And the other thing is, <laughs> it was a really hot habanero hot sauce. And I feel Not like- Not the stuff at the Yucatan, the Yucca Hut on uh, Franklin. No, 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 this stuff, it's inner similar. Beauty. Inner Beauty was a buy, right. you could buy it. And I feel like okay. somehow or another, the hot sauce, difficult food era was somehow tied to Bob Wilson's apartment for me always. So Yeah, sure. But here's the question I want to ask. What was the name of that sub place that we used to get those subs on Mass Ave? Remember they had like the- th Oh, the- uh, five, Oh, yeah, God. Was, did it have a number in it? Like the five something five? Or the, something? There was the meat bomb. Right, B -O -M -B, right. B-O-M-B, the meat bomb. With like And it was literally meats. every- it was everything they had, right? And cheese, right? It was around the corner from the Middle East, it was right. right? Around the corner from it was the Middle right East. around the corner or from T -T the Bears. It was right around the corner from Bob's. We could walk there from Bob's on Mass Ave. What was it called? Five it was Star like, uh, or something? Five. Uh, oh, that sounds right. Yeah, something like that. It was that. on a Mass Ave. It was right either by TT's uh, TT the Bears or Middle East, and uh, I mean that's all. That area has changed. Yeah dramatically but but um, we had that meat sandwich we'd get oh. the, like four or five meats on there yeah and cheese and onions it was and crazy it was, it was like uh, sausage meatball cheese steak i can't i think everything they had they just dumped it on the you know and it was when you're poor and drunk and uh and then oh, i man, and then i just the remember you the next day holding your stomach bent over stopping always always holding always. your stomach and bent over but you're better now so i'm a lot better yeah but now, okay, so tell me about all these hackneyed things about having a kid, though. Like, what? Because you seem like, do you, do, you, do, you, do you tear up? Do you get overwhelmed with feeling? What happens? Um, well, it, it's, it's, the highs are so high and the lows are just, just suck, you know. And uh, we've been very lucky. She's, she's uh, you know, healthy and uh, um, hasn't exhibited at this point any kind of real mental or learning deficiencies and um and she's for the most part a happy fun kid funny uh there there's a lot of time 
uh, where Amber's not here, you know, and she's, she's out of town and she had a whole run for like six or seven months where she was doing all kinds of, you know, things, either promoting her stuff or, uh, um, uh, some writing that had come out or, uh, doing stuff for feminist causes or, uh, political people, uh, you know, uh, politicians or whatever. And she'd, you know, be gone for four or five days or whatever. And, uh, and, it's just, it's the most exhausting thing, like, uh, being with a kid, sun up, sun down, you know, when they're, it's mostly, it's great, but it can be really, really just, you're just wiped out by the end of the day, wiped the fuck out. You don't have any help over there? I do. Uh, but like when I was in, uh, Georgia, uh, yeah. You know, I was in Georgia, didn't, but, um, uh, nanny has her own schedule and her issues too, and has her own life. And, you know, sometimes can't just can't be here. Um, and the until nerve. Amber gets back, which will be in early November. I mean, yeah. it's just like, uh, um, but that, that's, it's been like that since she was a kid, really. Um, I, I've been with her pretty much outside of 12 days where I went to Europe on the last tour. Um, and made a, made a talk about a lesson learned, a tremendous mistake in that I wa- I was so nervous and depressed and upset that I was going to go away from her. I'd never been away from her for more than like a day and a half at that point, maybe two days tops. Um, and and I made I designed my trip to to Europe. Um, and I I didn't do half the shows that I did in the um on the last tour. Oh come on, yeah. Uh, I didn't do half of those. Right. Uh, I I only did twelve days. Um, and I went and I flew in red eye to Manchester, did a show that night as fucking out of it and jet lagged yeah. and crazy. And then my last show was in Amsterdam and went had like a. 6 a.m. pickup to go to the airport to fly from Amsterdam to Manchester back to New York. Yeah. Just so I could cut out whatever it is, a cumulative 14 hours off of the itinerary so I could not be away from her for so long. And I walked in and she didn't give a fuck, man. She just, I was like, and I got my suitcase. Hey, and my dog's all excited. Like, <laughs> Marla, she's, she's got her back to me. She's looking at the TV on the couch. Marla, yeah. daddy, da, da, hello, hello. And she just kind of turned around, looked at me, didn't say a word and went back to watching TV. And so I will never, wow. ever make that mistake again. Wow. Um, and that's when you said to Amber, what the fuck is her problem? She, Amber wasn't there. Oh, um, just a nanny. So yeah. Uh, that's um, sad. but, uh, yeah, I had 12 days there and then I did this movie, the dark divide. Aren't we supposed to talk about that? <laughs> I, I watched it. I that. watched the whole movie. I, I'm just, I'm, tr- oh. I, dude. I think that the the sandwich place had the word high in it, like high five, yes. high high something. High five, high five, high five pizza, high five pizza, high five pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's it. High five pizza. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. So, the pizza had very, it had really uh, uh, quality fidelity. Yeah, but the sandwiches yeah. were where it was at. It was a great sounding pizza. Yeah, awesome. But yeah, I watched the movie, man, and uh, I was very proud of you. You seemed to like, you know, I thought like, well, this is a, a changing man. He's accessing, you know, it was like, you know, it was like a deeper dive into a character, I think, than you usually do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, like uh, it was moving and it was it was a painful uh, story, but uh, also beautiful. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was, you know, 
cool to do. It wasn't fun to do. Um, no? To be outdoors no. in Washington? Dude, it was like the lowest budget, most grueling. I mean, a lot of those scrapes and bruises were all real. And Did you uh, get to spend was... time with the real guy? Yeah, yeah. Robert Pyle. Robert, awesome guy. He's uh, a butterf- most... butterfly yeah. guy. And and you know it's a, it's it's not um, it takes from a couple of his books right uh, uh, and there are some liberties taken with the story um, but you know it's ninety percent of it is all you know so basically the idea is that like his wife he he nursed until she died of cancer and he'd always wanted well, he, yeah but he was really kind of uh, as, as sweet and nice and kind and uh, avuncular as he is in real life, he's very, uh, you know, he's shy and, and, uh, and um, he isn't very proactive and his wife is extremely extroverted. He's introverted. She's extroverted. And, um, and she was really the one who was holding in a, in a way, holding his life together, and he wouldn't have done anything without her right. pushing him to do right. it. And so that's like her dying thing to him is is applying for him uh, for the uh, Guggenheim grant to go find uh, these to, to go, document these species that have never been yeah, documented. Yeah, to go into this place that's it's uh, uh, you know one of the last wild uh, bits of the lower forty eight. Uh, uh, states and it's one of the last stretches that is is very you know still very wild and, is it still and, um, yeah yeah um and i mean you can hike it it's just there's no amenities there's no right you know is that how you guys had to shoot it basically yeah with the skeleton crew a lot of where we were there was no um you know there's no cell service there's no electricity uh and you did couldn't access a lot of the parts, anything around those, like, um, the lava tubes, yeah. you know, a lot of that stuff, uh, uh, and people got hurt, you know, there were some, you know, uh, albeit relatively minor, but there were a number of people who had to get, you know, some help. Um, but you're out there. Also, there was a mountain lion that, uh, was like stalking. It was fucking nuts. And, uh, and there was no like changing trailer. There was no, craft services oh you're out God. there How? and you had to hike everything in there equipment and everything and then shoot and if it if you see it's raining that's because it rained and those those the weather changes like that i mean it just changes oh my god how sometimes. long was this shoot uh i think it was i want to say five i want to say four weeks and the first week was in portland so it was three weeks out in the um wow the man it's like apocalypse and, now, but not all of it. Not I mean the stuff when you see like the uh, um, when it's kind of nice out and there's like the the uh, the we're on top of the ridge like that wasn't a, that wasn't scary or weird. But a lot of the stuff in the interior was really hairy and not not fun. I mean it was and there's again like there's no trailers nowhere to get so warm. this was the, no... was this director like he was like just like this was his vision this was he was willing yeah. to commit this insanity to it yeah he he grew up in portland and went to a lot of these places as a kid and he uh, i can't remember how he came to know robert Pyle's work but he did and then he kind of devoured all of his work now he's a he's a an accomplished writer he wasn't at the time 
uh, that the movie takes place in 95, I think. But he's by, by training a butterfly guy. Yeah, he's a lepidopterist. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah. And uh, and now he's he's a lot more than that, but that's what he was when he, when this journey, he goes on this journey and this thing happened to him. And um, yeah, so this this guy got to know him. He bought, he got the rights to it. And I think it's it's it was about 10 years that he, you know, was trying to get this thing made. But the impetus of it was that, you know, his wife had wanted him to do this and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Ever, well, he kept saying he was going to do it. And, and he like, never yeah, did. I'm going to do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'm going to. Yeah, I definitely uh, next it, when it warms up and then it would warm up. Well, I'm going to wait a little bit till this because I'm not really ready right now, but I will be. And he was always putting it off. And then she dies and she had applied for the grant uh, knowing she was dying, she only had a, uh, a matter of weeks left, and he gets accepted, and has to go. You know, she's already dead, so he's like, now he's got to do it. And through that process, I mean, like, how did you approach it differently? Because it feels to me, it felt to me like this was something, you know, that you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't just uh, goof through. You couldn't just make a caricature and do it. Right. So, like, it, right. it has to be. There has to be some relationship between you coming to terms with yourself that enabled you to do this emotionally with this guy? Well, uh, to uh, to bring it all back around to where one of the things we were first starting to talk about, it's it's really about embracing that what I came to see myself as is antisocial and not uh, it, it, it spoke to that part of right. me. Um, and, and, I I could never do what this guy did. I mean, not in a million years. And I know everybody says, well, you could, if you had to, I wouldn't, I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I would quicken the death. (laughs) I would, I would, uh, I mean, I just couldn't do, I couldn't survive it. So it was 128 miles, I think. And he just went out by himself with very little. He went out by himself. He was in way over his head. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Right. And I, I just, it, it was a you know like embracing the, the uh, uh, letting all those other facades fall away and go all right this is who I am I've got to do this right I'm going to do it because uh, he has a couple there's a couple moments where he could have um, bailed right and he didn't and he does it for her and he knows he knows deep down that he will change for the better he knows it's hard and he knows that she was the better person in that sense um, and you know, he's got her kind of memory and spirit there with him, sure. guiding him. Uh, and, you know, just, and, and we do it in the movie and it's, and it was, you know, really happened to, to Robert, the real guy, but he thought, he thought he was in there for like, I can't remember what it was. He thought he was in there for like 28 days and he was in there for almost 40. Like he had just completely lost track really? of everything. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, we had a scene that we eventually took out where he, puts on his uh he's leaving and he sees people on the dashboards of cars like the name a phone number to get in touch with a relative when he's expected back or that person he or she is expected back and he goes oh and he puts his he writes it on like a piece of paper and he puts it on his dashboard right and he's off by weeks um yeah yeah i thought that was in the movie when he comes back to the car and realizes how long he's been gone or no oh, oh maybe it was i don't know I've never seen it, so you'll have to tell me. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, okay. Why, well, you don't want to see it? No, I've seen, I've seen it 150 times. Oh, it's Just not, doing so it's cuts not in there. and oh. ADR and stuff. Oh. I, don't, I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, it was, um, 
I don't think like I think you keep saying you're antisocial. I think you're just more comfortable with yourself. Oh wow! Um, I think when you go running around and you you got to it's like that thing you were saying. You're looking for something outside of yourself, whatever it is, you know, to kind of you know make yourself feel better. And I, I think you just probably just just you know kind of more comfortable with yourself. If you're lucky, that happens when we get older. You know, a lot of things don't matter. Uh, I never thought about it that way, but that's uh, that's interesting, and I will I will give that some thought. Maybe that's um, that's interesting. Okay. I, well, do whatever you have to do with it. All right, I'm going to take off. And um, <laughs> actually, I do kind of have to run. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's fine. Um, I, but the movie was good, and it's great to see you. And I thought you worked well with Deborah Messing, and I thought the, the journey was good, and the Bigfoot thing was. Uh, am I spoiling it? No. I mean, uh, uh, that's. I, th- I think they uh, did a really good job of handling that not ridiculous yeah it's not ridiculous i mean that was a big i i every step of the way i was like you guys can't show big but you can't do this you can't do that i mean it has to be just is it in the book as, and, and it, yeah the 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 thing at the very end i don't want to give it away but you know the the literally the very end right happened but not quite in that way but that did happen yeah uh and uh he did come upon a print Okay. Um, yeah. And and I know this guy is he's a scientist. You know, right. he, it, it was a really difficult. Um, and people, you know, when they're interviewing me about the movie, they're like, "Do you believe in Bigfoot?" And I do not. I don't believe in it. I, but, but I do believe in the ability for for mankind to invent things. And uh, but I I thought what he he says something in his book. He writes about how there's every reason to think that a Bigfoot could exist and has the wherewithal to not make himself known, especially in that part of the the country. I guess that becomes clear to you when you're out in it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and have you been to um, like central Oregon? I haven't spent time there. No. It's one of the most fucked up. I grew up in the South. Yeah. And it's one of the most fucked up, I mean, it's it's weird in a way I have not experienced. What well, you mean, like hill, like hill people wise? Kinda, not that they're scary, but just they're they're very. It's almost twins, twin, twins right, peak ish right. in that like it's a it's a culture that is unto them, and they're very suspicious people. Um, it's it's weird. I I haven't felt that kind of vibe since I've been in like the deep south, like in. Appalachia, right, right. Uh, Appalachia, yeah. Appalachia. There's, there's uh, hill people all over the place. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, man. I, maybe just because I'm used to the the South and, and right. when you go, especially in, in the upstate New York's the, got the them too, dude. Not like this, man. Maine, not like this. All right, okay, all right. Maine, maybe, maybe Maine. I, I haven't been to like super rural Maine, and and I think it's kind of a similar, you know, just a suspicion yeah. and. Uh, and not a friend, not the friendliest vibe. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's what it can, you can imagine a lot of QAnon, you know, sure, sure. stuff. The kind of like sort uh, of, hi, how you doing? Just passing through? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I guess exactly. so. <laughs> yeah, I, I am now. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a trip, man. Um, All right. Well, it was, a, I, I enjoyed watching in the movie and, and I liked the movie and, you know, you did a good job. Well, thanks, man. Uh, and it, and it's, it, it's truly great to see you and your success and your how you've been able to branch out as well and, and do that stuff thanks man as well which is which is an opportunity we don't 
we haven't often gotten to do. So no, sir. You know? Yeah, and I'm excited. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's great talking to you. Great seeing you. I love you, man. And, and you as well, man. Take care. All right. Bye. David Cross. He felt that that ending was abrupt. I guess it was, but I do that sometimes, don't I? We were done. He felt done. Kind of felt like it was done. You can go to darkdividefilm.com to get the virtual cinema links for the movie The Dark Divide that uh, Dave and I just talked about. Good luck, everybody. Good luck. I'll be back on the Instagram Lives probably uh, Thursday. And the the T-shirts, the Marin Too Close shirts, are selling like hotcakes. It's a good shirt. You can go to podswag.com or go to wtfpod.com, click the merch button. I think it's one of the better shirts we've done. I don't even know why. Just got it. It's got a vibe. It's got a nice, it's a nice teal color. To Whatever. Guitar? How about a little guitar? All right. Okay. Here we go. Good luck. Oh my God. Monkey lives. LaFonda lives. Vote. Vote. I miss you, Lynn Shelton. <laughs>